Welcome to the Modern Merriman Podcast with Tom Hicks and John DeVito. Modern Merriman is a podcast on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We're hosting a weekly conversation on the law and the gospel so that church leaders and Christian lay people will rightly divide the word of truth. Hey, Tom. Hey, brothers. Good to see you today. Yeah. Uh, today, we have, uh, we're going to be exploring uh, the, the doctrine of the law, in particular mm-hmm. on a disputed issue uh, of the Sabbath. And uh, uh, John is going to talk to us a little bit about his own experience. and we're his training own- places a little bit today. Yes, I'm interviewing you today <laughs> for a change. And so, um, but why don't you begin uh, as we're considering this doctrine of the Sabbath and just tell us a little bit about how you've understood the Sabbath in the past in your own theological journey on this issue. Right. Well, I've mentioned before on this podcast how I was actually raised as a Mormon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many uh, people that are listening are familiar with uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, but uh, Mormon, the Mormon Church or, or the LDS Church uh, believes that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. And so I was raised in an environment where every Sunday was the Sabbath day. Hmm. And it was in a, uh, well, I, I mean, the, the Mormon church is, is not a true church, right? It, it, they, 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 they worship a false Christ and uh, do not have the true gospel of grace. Uh, but it, so in that context, which is a very legalistic context, where uh, the, the, in order to uh, gain eternal life, uh, it, it not only comes through Christ and his atoning work, but also through our obedience to the gospel and to the law, which means ultimately that you will not go uh, to uh, the celestial kingdom, the, the highest level of heaven, so to speak, uh, without uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy, right? And, and so in that atmosphere for uh, my family, uh, we ha- live by a list of do's and don'ts, hmm. right? Do this, don't do that, right? Yeah. You know, go, go to the meeting of the church. Uh, and and uh, so for my family, um, you know, we could watch TV, but we couldn't watch sports because sports were live and they are therefore working on Sunday. Hmm. Uh, and, and so we can't watch sports. So we could watch, you know, TV shows or other things, I guess, because they're pre-recorded. Uh, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, you know, list of do's and don'ts, right? And uh, whether or not I kept the Lord's Day would impact my eternity, my eternal future. Uh, so, so that was the atmosphere in which I was raised, a very legalistic atmosphere, uh, that where I'm seeking to uh, keep a list of do's and don'ts uh, in order to uh, affect my uh, future in the afterlife. Um, yeah, we're gonna. S- yeah, well, uh, and c- considering uh, this doctrine of the Sabbath and uh, the Bible, what w- where would you say that Scripture commands? us to keep the Sabbath day as Christians? Is it still, is it an abiding command for us? And how would you show us that in the Bible? Well, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that before I even get there, you know, I, I kind of almost did a swing though. When, when I came to Christ, uh, you know, I was in an atmosphere where, um, you know, uh, Christians don't keep the Sabbath because the Sabbath mm-hmm. is fulfilled in Christ. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I kind of went from kind of this legalistic 
you know, do this, don't do that to this, Hey, we're free in Christ, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? Uh, and I th- actually think that's the way many Christians live today, you know, uh, t- t- to be honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they may go to church, uh, on Sunday because that's when their church meets, but, but beyond that, you know, we're kind of free to live in Christ every day, the same, all know? days are the same, all days are the same. And that was kind of my experience. And so I've actually come to a third view, right? Mm-hmm. Where the Lord, or the, the Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. Yes. But it's not this legalistic list of rules mm-hmm. that I must keep in order to uh, uh, earn my future position in uh, the God's kingdom or yeah. anything. Uh, but, but that nevertheless, it is a day that God has set apart for his purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, how do I get there from scripture? Right. 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 And of course, I don't have time today to develop a full biblical theology of rest in the Sabbath. Oh, come uh, on. John. <laughs> well, I don't know anybody who'd want to hear me speak <laughs> that much. Uh, even you, Tom, uh, yeah. but, but, of, you know, we, we, we go back to the beginning, right? We have to go back to Genesis. Uh, you begin, with God resting on the seventh day of creation, uh, which when he sets, he blesses and sets apart that day as holy, he sanctifies it. It's uh, set apart as holy. Um, and then he, what we find is he, uh, he on the sixth day, right? God created man in his image to work for him by filling the earth and subduing it in dominion over it. But then the very next day, the seventh day, he sets apart to reveal this rest to mankind that they would also be able to enter into once their work was complete. So this becomes humanity's pattern, right? You have uh, six days of work followed by a Sabbath day of rest, which was a weekly reminder of God's promise to us mm-hmm. of entering his rest. Well, we then first read of God's people observing the Sabbath day as they enter the wilderness. Uh, uh, Israel, of course, right, set free from slavery. They enter into the wilderness, uh, and and they then observe the Sabbath before they come to Mount Sinai, where they receive God's law. But uh, of course, it was at Mount Sinai that this weekly pattern was written by God on tablets of stone in the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, uh, where we read that, and uh, He then freed His people from slavery to enter into the Promised Land. And they are to live under his law, including this remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what we find as God first placed Adam in the Garden of Eden with work to do in a weekly Sabbath day founded on God's rest. So, too, he also placed Israel in the promised land of Canaan with work to do in a weekly Mm -hmm. Sabbath day that was founded on God's rest Mm -hmm. and showed his redemption from their slavery in Egypt. So. Uh, that that's you know a little bit that that we see developing through scripture, but uh, to to directly answer your question, uh, the the main passage that I would turn to is uh, Hebrews, hmm. uh, Hebrews chapter four, right, uh, verses one to eleven, where the author focuses on God's promise of entering His rest. Now I'm not going to get into who wrote uh, Hebrews. I'll let you, Tom, in a future episode enlighten the rest of the world. It's, it's Paul, isn't it? <laughs> I actually uh, lean that way, but. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, Hebrews 4 uh, that, that we have this focus of God's promise of entering his rest. And in verses 9 and 10 of Hebrews 4, it speaks of the Sabbath for Christians. 
But, uh, you know, a little bit of background, of course, Hebrews as a whole is uh, written to Jewish Christians who are um, suffering and attempted to leave Christ and return to you know, old covenant worship in, through Judaism. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, Hebrews is essentially reminding these Christians is uh, Christ is uh, superior to all the old covenant had to offer. And without Christ, there is no salvation. Uh, without Christ, there is no hope, right? He is right. a, he, we, we belong to a better covenant in Christ. And we even, you know, spoke of that recently on this podcast. And, and, and so we, 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 this is the overall argument of Hebrews. But what we find in Hebrews 4 is it's, pa- it's part of a larger exposition of Psalm 95. Uh, in, in, in this part of the, the Hebrews, you, you almost have what we could see as, as a, an expositional sermon of Psalm 95 uh, that begins back in chapter 3. And in this uh, sermon or this exposition, uh, the author brings together Genesis 2, when God rested on the seventh day and blessed it, with the wilderness generation of Israel who rebelled against God there in the wilderness, and were judged by him. And uh, when they they sinned there in the wilderness, uh, he judged them so that they died in the wilderness and did not enter the rest of the promised land, which is why David then in Psalm 95 warns his generation of what the past generation in the wilderness did. Mm-hmm. And he says, today they need to hear God's voice and not harden their hearts. So, uh, what we find then, like Israel in the wilderness, David shows through Psalm 95 that Israel in the promised land could still fail to enter God's promised rest, which is why he warns them they too could f- forsake God's rest through their unbelief and disobedience, right? And so so th- there's a lot of biblical themes being drawn upon here in history being yes. relied upon. Uh, and, and so what we find then at, through Hebrews 4 is that this promised land, the earthly promised land, where God had promised them rest, was a shadow or a type or a picture which revealed a greater spiritual rest to come in Christ, which is why we read in Hebrews 4 that Joshua did not give Israel rest when they entered the promised land. Yes. And what's interesting is uh, this is kind of masked in our English, but in the Greek, the word for Joshua is Jesus. So what we have is a lesser Jesus who points forward to a greater Jesus. The lesser Jesus did not open this entrance to the the promise of rest, uh, but he points forward to the greater Jesus who has opened the entrance to God's rest in him. And so our rest in him begins when we believe in Christ and are saved, which is why, of course, we know those well-known words from Jesus, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? But through so much of uh, what we read in Hebrews and the New Testament generally, there's that already not yet tension, right? You, you, you were already saved, and yet we're, we're not yet enjoying the fullness of our salvation, that, that, that will come. Um, and, and so we, we have this already not yet tension in the rest of God as well, that we will not fully or finally enter God's rest 
until Christ returns and we will enjoy eternal rest in the presence of God in the age to come. Hmm. And so what, what, what we have then in Hebrews is uh, Hebrews telling us, giving us the same warning of Psalm 95. The Psalm 95 serves as a warning to us that we too must believe in the gospel and persevere through the temptations and trials in life by our faith in Christ so that we will enter God's rest. And so that's why then in Hebrews 4, that, that verse 11, we read, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Uh, and, and so again, that's a future rest that we mm-hmm. ultimately will enter into. Um, and there's that warning that if we uh, rebel against God, if we you know fall away from God, if we disobey God, that we will not enter the uh, you know have that promise of entering into His rest, right? Uh, and, and so, really, then it's it's in all of this context, all of this background through Hebrews that we come to Hebrews uh, four verses nine and ten, uh, and and it's in Hebrews nine where we hear of our Sabbath rest in Christ. Because in Hebrews nine it says, "There remains therefore a rest for the people of God," and the word "rest" there again in Greek is the word sabbatismos, where we have the word Sabbath, which is why in many translations it says, uh, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And, and, and that's very significant. He didn't continue simply using the word rest as he had through the entire passage, but he chose this uh, different word to use, sabbatismos, and it's the only way, uh, the only time this word is used in all the New Testament, right? Amen. Uh, and and so it's it's critically important for us to understand that this is a uh, Sabbath day that God has given us His people in Christ to um, to observe that that there is a Sabbath day for us to keep mm-hmm. as Christians. Amen, brother. And talking about Hebrews 4 there, I think is I agree with you. I think it's a central passage and we already see hints there of and and maybe this is is that the central text you would turn to to show why the rest changed from the seventh day to the first day or would you give any other additional explanation for that? Well, I I mean I think there's a lot of ways that we can show that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do see that in Hebrews 4. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Again, uh, I, I, t- I, I mentioned Hebrews 4, uh, verse 9, but then there's verse 10. Mm-hmm. In verse 10, what I see and what I see through the, the text of Scripture is that our Sabbath observance remains in Christ because Christ entered into his rest through his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is obviously heavily debated <laughs> uh, right. since the and, and the challenge is that that Hebrews uh, that this verse uh, verse 10 begins with a pronoun. So what does this pronoun refer to? And for many people, they, they would say this this pronoun uh, is referring to believers in Christ or Christians. Right. And various translations have been influenced by this interpretation. So, for example, the ESV 
says, for whoever has entered his rest, or for, for whoever has entered God's rest. Then IV says, for anyone who enters God's rest. The New Living Translation says, for all who have entered God's rest. Okay, But the pronoun here is actually a masculine singular pronoun, hmm. which is why I prefer the New King James here, where it simply says, he, or uh, the New American Standard says, the one. Right. Um, and, and, and we see this then difference between this pronoun in verse 10 and what the people of God are consistently referred to throughout this passage, which is in the plural. In verse one, it says, let us. In verse uh, three, it says, we. And then in verse 11, again, it says, let us. Uh, so, so it, it seems uh, through, and I could give other reasons, but it seems clear enough to me that in verse 10, what we actually have is uh, the, the connection uh, between verse 9 and verse 10 is uh, therefore. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's four. Uh, verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, four. On what basis does there remain a rest for the people of God, the Sabbath rest? For he, that is Christ, has entered his rest, uh, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So what did Christ do in his earthly ministry? Well, by becoming a man, Jesus successfully carried out the work that God created us to do for us so that we would then enter his rest. So once his redemption was accomplished, Christ ceased from his works in his death and rose again with resurrection life, entering into his eternal rest. Which is why when Christ then entered heaven, resting from his works as God did from his, we are then promised to enter his rest when he returns. Right? So again, that already not yet tension that, that we see developed there. But th Amen. this means then that we must persevere in our faith in Christ so that we will one day join with him in his rest. Mm -hmm. And we will one day enter our rest because Christ has entered his rest, which, which mm -hmm. I'm convinced is the logic then of these verses. So the point is, until then, we observe a Sabbath day, which has been established on the first day of the week rather than the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. So unlike the, the Sabbath in the Old Covenant, which brought rest after six days of, of work, our Sabbath in Christ gives us rest on the first day of the week, which then empowers us to work the other six days. So it's, it's through Christ's resurrection from the dead on the first day that we are given eternal life to continue living in this world until we fully experience God's rest when he returns. Uh, we, we find then it's through the resurrection of Jesus that a new creation has begun, which has changed our Sabbath day from the end of God's old creation to the beginning of Christ's new creation. Amen. Uh, and, and so, you know, one of the ways I, I love to, to see this expressed is by Gerhardus Voss. Uh, you know how much I appreciate biblical theology. Uh, but, but here's what Voss writes about this. He says, inasmuch as the old covenant was still looking forward to the performance of the messianic work of Christ. Naturally, the days of labor to, to it come first. The days of rest fall at the end of the week. 
We, under the new covenant, look back upon the accomplished work of Christ. We, therefore, first celebrate the rest in principle procured by Christ, although the Sabbath also still remains a sign looking forward to the final eschatological rest. The Old Testament people of God had to typify in their life the future developments of redemption. Consequently, the precedence of labor and the consequence of rest had to find expression in their calendar. The New Testament church has no typical function to perform, for the types have been fulfilled. But it has a great historic event to commemorate, the performance of the work of Christ and the entrance of him and of his people through him upon the state of never-ending rest. He goes on to say, we do not sufficiently realize the profound sense the early church had of the epic-making significance of the appearance and especially of the resurrection of the Messiah. The latter was to them nothing less than the bringing in of a new, the second creation. And they felt that this ought to find expression in the placing of the Sabbath with reference to the other days of the week. Believers knew themselves in a measure partakers of the Sabbath fulfillment. If the one creation required one sequence, then the other required another. It has been strikingly observed that our Lord died on the eve of the Jewish Sabbath at the end of one of these typical weeks of labor by which his work and its consummation were prefigured and Christ entered upon his rest, so that the Jewish Sabbath comes to lie between, was, as it were, disposed of, buried in his grave. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. That's a very helpful uh, discussion of what the Scripture has to teach about the Sabbath, particularly that exposition of Hebrews 4, and so very appreciative of that. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. And I want to thank everyone for joining us for the Modern Merriman on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. If you'd like to know more about CBTS, please visit us online at cbtseminary.org. That's cbtseminary.org. Well, I I don't have quite as much in these last questions, so I could use... Your, I can uh, argue with you. I'll, I'll play the new covenant guy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, 